Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> What's up? This is Sharks Across Hollywood, and it's fucking Halloween in the Shark Pod, and we thought we'd start the start Halloween with a fucking the feel good movie of 2017. I believe it came out. <laughs> it comes at night. What comes at night? Oh, that is my feeling. <laughs> right, right out the gate, I can forgive the movie because it's so fucking amazing. But that title is a complete bait and switch. Well, I went back and watched the trailer just to see after I will finish the movie today, and wow. Yeah, no. Uh, they totally lied to me about what kind of movie it was. I loved the movie. I thought it was real good, but there's not a monster in this movie like is implied in the marketing. No, the, mo- the monsters are the people in I, the movie. I guess. I guess. I took a lot of notes, though, so we can, we'll see what happens. So, I took as many notes as I could force myself to take, but mostly <laughs> I was just... I just got sucked so into it. It's a really good movie. It, it just grabs you right from the get-go and doesn't let go. Don't don't be fooled. This is another one of those movies where nothing happens, but a lot of shit happens. Yeah, like objectively, I can see my son watching this, my, my 14-year-old son watching this and feeling bored by it. But that's just because like atmosphere does nothing for him. Right. He can't get sucked into a, a, a good, solid atmospheric build. It's totally lost on him. So he would look at this and be like, nothing happened. But it's 100% engaging start to finish, and it feels relentless. I do. I like this movie a lot, and I think a lot of it is because it's like, hey, it's really well shot, and Joel Edgerton is one of my favorite people on the fucking planet. But there's no resolution to anything, which it's one of those things where you either love that or hate that. I wouldn't say like, there's no no resolution i would say there's no happy ending i mean there's no resolution as in we never figure out what's going on exactly like in the in the world which is fine oh I don't yeah i really care about that necessarily but every dream sequence should kind of it like it makes you think something's gonna happen and there's some supernatural element but then it just turns out hey we're people and we do things and hey you're sick and you have boils and we're gonna shoot you now yeah nothing is explained <laughs> which i think is in this movie's favor ultimately i think any explanation that could have come would have felt forced the movie feels really natural the exposition all the dialogue the storytelling at every point feels very very natural and if someone just suddenly came along and did an exposition dump <laughs> even if it was just one or two sentences it would fe- it would have felt forced i can't think of a way you could have woven it in that would have felt natural we could have gotten a flashback or something but then that would have maybe given us like there's no real need for it the all the information we really need is maybe maybe how long they've been doing this like i'm kind of curious about that but we know that the kid grew up a little bit before the world went to shit so we got we got that far we know that much like he 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 was maybe what he's 17 in the movie so he might have been like five or seven ish when everything started to go down oh i disagree i feel like this is a fairly recent thing like it's maybe a year or two old tops would be my guess because when i can't remember her name i can't remember any of the characters names but when the (laughs) uh when the wife of the, the interloping wife and uh, Travis, I do remember Travis, are having a conversation. He gets everything she's saying about red velvet cupcakes and bread pudding and stuff like that. Stuff that he wouldn't have gotten if he had just been a little kid, you know, because those are things that you don't pay attention to when you're a little kid unless it's like a, a major interest of yours. And he was very clear about not liking that kind of stuff, you know, like yeah, that know. wasn't stuff what he a fucking liked weirdo. As, even as a little kid. Not even ice cream so, and cookies? Fucking yeah, so immediately very suspect this guy but no like he was right there on board with her he didn't have to be like what is that so i don't think he grew up during the apocalypse i think he grew up normal and this is a recent thing that just kind of hit in a hard wave probably over the course of less than a year so he was a teenager when it happened is your theory that's my theory yeah Yeah, i'd say this has been going on for less than a year certainly less than two you want to know my real theory my conspiracy theory my fan theory if you will joel edgerton's character was a teacher right a history teacher sure this is a sequel to warrior Oh, God. Oh, shit. Because <laughs> he was a teacher in that, and then he went and he, he had his fight thing. And then, you know, he's not going to keep fighting for the rest of his life. So he retired, went back to teaching, and then, you know, he 
he divorced a, divorced his hot wife and married another yeah, hot, hot wife. Yeah, like like this is years down the road. We don't know how long how far in the future this is, you know. And he, he got divorced, got remarried, and uh, then the apocalypse hit, and it was just him and uh, you know the new kid, not his his old kids. They were trapped with their mom and whatever. They probably died off right away. And uh, now here he is surviving the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> That's my fan theory. I wanted the sequel to Warrior to be a little bit more positive. Like Warrior was just a, a bucket of giggles and hugs. Well, no, but it's it's the start of something of a family getting back together and learning how to love each other again. There's no way the dad makes it through the second movie if there ever is one. No, he, he's dead before not. it even starts. Probably. I'd be surprised if he lived a year after Warrior. I mean, come on, that dude was it's it's fucking Nick Nolte. He's going downhill fast. The fact that Nick Nolte is still alive is sort of amazing. A little bit. Hey, speaking of dead people, this has nothing to do with a movie really, but I forgot to throw it out there. Uh, we're recording this on the day. That Road Warrior animal died. Do you remember the Road Warriors? What since we're, we were talking about WCW earlier? No, they're the guys with the face paint and the like. One of them had a mohawk down the middle, and then the other one had two mohawks, so they could like plug into each other. And they had the they had the football pads <laughs> with the spikes and stuff. Um, one of the most they... famous tag teams in the history of wrestling ever. I think I, I think I do remember them. Yeah, uh, yeah. The football pads is what is what clicked it. Yeah. So uh, one of them, I think it was yeah, Hawk. Hawk died several years ago in like the early 2000s because the drug use finally caught up with him, even though he was not using at the time. But drugs are bad, people. That shit will stick with you. So no pills, no powders. If it comes out of the ground, it's probably okay. So that's a goddamn bummer. So there goes the the greatest tag team in history. R.I.P. They had one of the coolest finishing moves that maybe broke a lot of necks and shortened a lot of careers it was called the doomsday device where one of them would have a guy on their shoulders like you know you're carrying a kid like showing them on your shoulders for to so they can be taller for like a parade or whatever that's how they'd have a dude and then the other Uh guy would be on the top turnbuckle and he'd just clothesline the guy off the other guy Oof! oh god damn yeah you should uh youtube some of that i'm sure there's a compilation video of them just doing that and it's fucking brutal every single time because these two are gigantic muscle-bound freaks What's the title of the of the move again? Uh, the Doomsday Device. The Doomsday Device. So you said they were called the Road Warriors. Or the Road something Warriors. Like the Legion of Doom. Yeah. So that that's more than just a tie into dead people, because uh, we were talking about Warrior and their Warriors, and so double tie in. And Warrior was about burly men fighting sexy burly men pretty sexy yeah i do both of those guys joel edgerton and tom hardy that's the same time that's a sandwich you wouldn't be able to fight your way out of oh i wouldn't want to (laughs) so that adds a little levity to this otherwise not fun at all movie it's fun if you like dour and kind of depressing movies it's a high quality movie that is engaging start to finish but it is not fun you would never call it fun unless you're a fucking psychopath um (laughs) let's break let's break down some of the some of these fun scenes some of this feel good stuff let's start okay well let's let's start right at the beginning because it it, it, it stabs you right in the heart right when it starts okay you know what i'm gonna probably go earlier than you so i'm gonna go first right off the bat a24 so you know it's gonna be pretty damn good i can't think of a single a24 movie that i've gone into and just been like nope not on board with that have you seen the black coat's daughter yet i haven't seen the black coat no excuse me i did see the black coat's daughter i did see it years ago and then i completely forgot about it i don't know what happened but i have completely forgotten it in every way i know i watched it i watched it with my ex-girlfriend because she specifically requested it because a friend had told her about it it's good it's on netflix watch it before you cancel your subscription every other major studio i can think of movies from them that i've been like all right that was a piece of shit but a24 haven't run into that yet uh not really they have hereditary and midsummer and the witch i think Mm-hmm. And did they do the Babadook too? Or? They might have. I'm not 100% on that one. Which that one, I don't know if I like or not. I only saw it once. But yeah, I mean, Hereditary, Midsummer, The Witch, The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. Shit, I need to watch that again. That movie's weird as fuck, but it's awesome. I don't know. Like right off the bat, the way they shot that one in the, in the 4-3 aspect ratio, <laughs> I was just like so in love with that because that's the way they used to shoot silent movies, you know? That's yeah. like the natural aspect ratio of film. Yeah, so they just went super old school with it i fucking love that movie it's good stuff it's another movie that doesn't really make sense but you know you're you're supposed to be able to go like oh hey this is what i think it's about which is only fun sometimes 
Only when it's done well. I hate it when people do that. I'm like, just feed it to me. Feed it to me. That's what Marvel is for, you know? We don't have to think when we're watching those yeah. movies. We're just, we're there to have fun. <laughs> Seriously, you want to get spoon-fed, watch a fucking Marvel movie. Any comic book uh, movie, really, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, nothing against them. Nothing no, the no, truth is, that's what they're, they're all, for. They're all tons of fun. So, yeah, they're, they, have a, they have a few not-so-good ones, but most of them, I think, are good to great. At yeah. least, in, at least it, in the MCU, yeah. But if you want to think or, you know, you don't go to yeah, an no. Avengers movie. Anyways, you did start earlier than me. I was I was past, even though I did make a note to check out Animal Kingdom Productions just to see if uh, anybody I cared about was involved with it. And no, I didn't find anybody to talk about. I know Joel Edgerton executive produced it. So, you know, oh, cool. he's yeah. clearly got amazing taste. Well, and have you seen The Gift, man? We're just going to end up talking about other movies yes. this whole time. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one. Another downer. I think it's, it couldn't tell you if it's a better movie or not, but he directed it and he's like the bad guy in it. And it's a real good, well, spoiler alert. I'm going <laughs> to pretend like I didn't say that. He's not the 100% bad guy <laughs> in that. <laughs> Joel Edgerton directed the gift. God damn it. Yeah. Good movie. That's what everybody should go see. All right. A24 seal of quality. Are we done? So it starts out with this. It's just a black screen with people kind of, there's heavy breathing and people going, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. It's fine. It's okay. You don't need to fight it. Let it all go. Blah. And then we fade in on this old man who's not looking too good. He's got all these boils and sores and shit all over him. We don't know what the fuck's going on at this point. Which, by the way, anytime someone in this movie says it's going to be okay, it's a death sentence. I'm surprised as many people survived as ended up at the end of the movie, though. No, but literally, if you watch it, that's why the very first thing they say is it's going to be okay. And the very last thing they say is it's going to be okay. Right before the end, they say it. Uh, Joel Edgerton says it when the kid gets sick, everything, or when they're worried about the kid being sick, everything, every time when the dog runs away, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Oh shit. You know what? I made a note. I didn't make a note of that, but I do have right at the beginning. They said, it's all, you know, you don't need to fight it. Let it all go. It's going to be okay. And then write down my second to last note or my third to last note about the end is yeah, it's okay. It's going to be okay that he can just let go. Weird. You're right. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, every time someone says everything's going to be okay, someone is about to die. Yeah, so it does start and end with pretty much a very similar scene. It turns out that this old man is the grandpa, is Sarah, who is the Joel Edgerton's wife. That's her That's her dad. And they all, oh, they all have gas masks. I really like that shot where it's focusing on his face and then it kind of pans over and you see these people in gas masks. And it just adds to it like, what the fuck is going on? Plus, he's clearly like super fucked up. Something, as soon as you see him, there's no question he's fucked up he's going to die something horrible is going on here and then you see the gas masks and then it's like what is going on here what exactly is going down yeah and then they they lay him down well joel edgerton is like hey would you lay down please let's just lay down and then they wheelbarrow his ass out like they they have him in a wheelbarrow you see a gas can he's got a gun travis who is the son and the dad whose name i didn't catch until like way down farther in my notes so i can't remember his name right now i was gonna Uh, say what the fuck is his name because i know he says it i know someone says it it's not until like the movie's almost over though it's like more than half over before we (laughs) get his name i think so the old man's laying down in the wheelbarrow and then Joel Edgerton covers his face and then he puts a pillow over it and has a nice revolver in his hands and fucking blows the guy's head off. So that's how our that's how our bright and shiny movie begins. Oh, and then they set him on fire. Yeah, right in front of his <laughs> son, he does all of this. In fairness, they're in a world now where, uh, you know, if you want to survive, you have to do shit like that. So I get that. I get that. I understand. They even have a conversation about that uh, in the next scene. That's exactly why it's so painful to watch is because the as the movie unfolds, you realize they're incredibly intelligent people making intelligent decisions maybe they're a little on the paranoid side but you can tell by the world they're in they're right to be paranoid they have every reason to be paranoid they're trying to save each other's lives so everything they're doing is completely reasonable within the bounds of this movie and that's what's so fucked up about it because you cannot look at this movie watch the decisions they make and say with confidence that you would never do that in that situation uh i have no idea what i would do in that situation I could not imagine it, but this is kind of topical because everybody seemingly is dying from this weird disease. And hey, look what's happening right now. Yeah. Oh, God. uh, (laughs) 
it feels pretty on point at the moment. It's I didn't do that. I did not do that on purpose two either. Years ago. You know what I did? I I realized the other day that I'm like, oh fuck, it's the end of September. We need to start our Halloween shit. And then I just kind of go like, okay, well, what movie do people not really like that they probably should like? Oh, it comes at night. We should do that one first. I wouldn't say people don't like it. I think anybody who's seen it probably likes it. It's just not enough people have seen it. It's the audience score is very low, and it's because really? it's because of the trailer. At least it was when it first came out because of the trailer, and it's the trailer's fault. Oh, the marketing was ass for this movie. Like it's a good trailer. Like the trailer's real cool. Looks real creepy and it's well put together but then you go see the movie it's like that isn't what the trailer showed me yeah if you go into this movie with the expectation that the trailer get the trailer and the title i will say that give you you're not going to get the movie you think you're going to get no. you're going to get a goddamn <laughs> good movie but you're not going to get that movie but it's also one of those movies where i'm like okay it, and i, I can... know from experience that can really fuck up your perception oh of the yeah movie. for sure i've had that experience where i thought a movie was going to go one way i mean you had it with uh it stains the sands red uh, one year ago today yep i Wow, that fuck <laughs> that movie. Yeah. So now I'll go back to it and I'll probably enjoy it more. Let's talk about the dog. Oh, so yeah. you want I, this, fun, I, right? This is fun. I knew this was going to be a sensitive one for you. <laughs> it, it has to be. So we do meet uh, the dog Stanley, and it happens to be Grandpa's dog. Grandpa's name is Don, I believe. It's now Travis's dog because Travis was obviously very close with his grandpa. You don't really get nobody says anything about that, but you can tell that he was attached to that guy. So there's a lot of uh, visual storytelling yeah. to that effect. So there's a dog. There's a dog in a movie like this. I gotta say, I didn't expect it the first time I was watching. The first time I watched it, it never occurred to me. That Have you ever watched dog. a horror movie with a dog no, before? I've, I've watched horror movies, but it just, it didn't feel like I didn't get that vibe. But you know what? I think part of the reason I didn't get that vibe is because of uh, a thought I had while watching this movie, which is, I know you, you say over and over again that you don't like mean movies. Yes. And I don't think that this is a mean movie, but I do think it's a cruel movie. You know, if, if you, un if you can understand, maybe you can't, maybe it's just in my head, the difference between those two, like, I think in my mind, the filmmakers genuinely cared about the characters you know they didn't treat them with the level of contempt that i feel uh people who make mean movies treat their characters almost as if the filmmakers have no respect for the characters they're just tools to the filmmakers and and, and that is what i would say is the difference between a mean movie and a cruel movie where in this movie i think the filmmakers cared deeply about the characters but that didn't stop them from being incredibly unkind to them from being just totally merciless at the same time they were were able to care about the characters while they did it it's a fine line and it might just be perception but that's the way i feel about this movie versus say a movie like house of a thousand corpses that that's a mean movie yeah no i see exactly yeah. what you're saying because this, this movie's more grounded in a form of reality that could actually happen i think which... i don't even think it's about that i think it's about the way you treat your characters like you can take like for example uh an, another example of a very cruel movie that i wouldn't say is mean although i think a lot of people would probably disagree with me would be funny games in which the characters are doomed from the beginning but i feel like the filmmakers still cared about them when they were making the movie if that makes sense that's a movie just that that guy just has a sick sense of humor especially with that part where the the family manages to get the shotgun and they blow that guy away and he's like wait 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 what the fuck and then he grabs the remote and rewinds the things like let's try that again that's the point at which i think that movie loses 90 percent of its audience rightfully so he's being mean to us not them Exactly. He's being mean to us. He's being cruel to the characters. I understand that it might, I might not be using the words exactly correctly, but I actually did look up the definitions of each of them before the show so that I could at least feel like I'm in the right zone. Cause I mean, there is a definition of cruel that just means that you get off on causing pain and stuff like that. And that's not what I'm referring to. What I'm referring to is the definition that says disposed to do violence or unkind action right like whereas mean is like the same thing but with low motivations well what, what does that mean low motivations low motivations like purely exploitative motivations without respect in in the case of a film like i said it would be without having respect for the characters like you can have respect and love for the characters and still be incredibly heinous to them or you can have just total contempt for the characters and be incredibly heinous to them and that's that is what i would say is the difference between a mean and a cruel 
cruel movie. Yeah, like like in this movie, we actually we get to know the characters before they're mercilessly murdered. We have like a couple scenes where Will and Kim are kind of giggling and being like, "You're ugly. You smell bad." Ah ha ha. Well, we love each other. It's fine. And Travis is stalking them in the fucking attic. He, yeah, <laughs> that, that's its own thing. The whole Travis's little voyeuristic snooping on the new neighbors. But yeah, like not only do we get to know the characters, but it's like as we're watching these characters live their lives, I don't think anybody's looking at them and thinking, what a piece of shit, you know? Like, they're they're people who are in a really hard situation, and I think we're able to empathize with them. Whereas, again, you know, going back to House of a Thousand Corpses, like, as soon as that movie starts, you're like, oh, fuck, kill these people. I know. They're all dead, and I don't care. There's they're no animals assholes. involved. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I actually was thinking about, and I think, you know, I, I don't necessarily feel the same way about Devil's Rejects, because I think Rob genuinely cared about his killers and he really gives them a chance to be characters whereas in house of a thousand corpses he doesn't give a fuck about the main characters he just likes the killers no that was a slasher movie the devil's rejects was more of a i don't know it's more of a western than yeah it, yeah it, it really is and and i think that's a movie that i would say is incredibly cruel but isn't mean because he treats the characters with a ton of respect that movie is like if cormac mccarthy like just snorted a lot of coke one day and he's like <laughs> Yeah, because Cormac McCarthy is a twisted Ooh. son of a bitch. <laughs> you can't understand what the hell he's talking about half the time when you're reading his books because he writes he writes real weird. I like his books, but I have such a hard fucking time figuring out what the hell anybody's doing. I spent, I think Child of God is like 130 pages. I read the whole thing and it wasn't until the end of the book that I'm like, wait a minute, he's murdering all these people? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> I know that that says a lot about my the way my brain works too i can't i followed the road the road was easy i liked that one oh my god oh i gotta breathe (laughs) how many cormac mccarthy books have you read (laughs) about a half a dozen yeah he's like one of my favorite authors so i know exactly what you're talking about okay so you know what i mean though you know it's like if if your brain is not prepared for that shit you're it's not going to be a pleasant experience and yeah, not not really like that the, yeah not that the content is like too over overly bad or violent or whatever which it is but well yeah sometimes it's just the way he fucking i don't he writes in code it's weird he is definitely not a spoon feeder no by any stretch of the it's good i like it it's like you know i read annihilation and i thought that was real good but then i went on to the sequels and i'm like what the fuck fuck is this guy talking about oh man i had such a hard time with annihilation the story's fantastic but the writing really fucked with me like it it was really difficult to it was a difficult read yeah don't don't bother (laughs) don't go any further with that one i recommend the movie if someone's interested i'd say look start with the movie start with the, the movie's great the movie is just solid start to finish it doesn't have the problems that the book has but if you feel like you want more go into the book but go into it knowing that it's a very different experience you know what else is a real good movie sure why not talk about something else (laughs) i was gonna say it comes at night is a real good movie okay so we also need to talk about this because i'm not particularly in 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 writing like in books you get one maybe and then you fucking stop dream sequences drive me fucking crazy i'm reading the maze runner and all three of those books are like almost half half of each of them are just him falling asleep and having dreams and then waking up and going like what the hell i hate that so much are they coherent narratives the dreams because that's what i don't like they are but they don't mean anything like which bugs me and now i like the way these dream sequences are shot they look really cool and they look very scary but they also they also trick you into thinking there's something deeper at play here when really it's not i think this kid's just losing his fucking mind well have you had have you lost someone uh you were really really close to have you had like a a parent or a a sibling die no so so that kind of yeah that's a thing i've spoken to some people about it several different people and i've uh i've read up about it a little bit on the internet and apparently it's a really really common thing to be visited by deceased loved ones in your dreams like as a almost like to the point where a lot of people myself included believe that it actually is them saying goodbye to you 
And yeah, I've never had that. I don't think this old man is saying goodbye to him. I think he's trying to tell him that he is also sick. I'm pretty sure he's sick through the whole fucking movie, and we just don't know it. No, because they they say it only takes like one day to start showing oh, symptoms. Oh well, yeah. So mm. so I don't think I don't think that's the case. But I think that what he is is he's mentally sick because of the trauma that he's going through with this whole thing. And it all started not that all the trauma started, but the sort of his breaking point, yeah. his mental breaking point was when Joel I'm just going to call him Joel because I can't remember his fucking name puts that pillow over his grandpa's face and just boom I mean it's so fucking merciless the way he does it like it's just mechanical he's like I'm sorry boom well at least he apologizes uh, first I guess (laughs) yeah yeah he does but you know that's the breaking point for the son i think that's the point at which the trauma and the horror of everything that's happened it's too much for him and it's not that there was any way it could have been handled right because there's not something that horrific and that awful there's no good way to go about it that's going to be you know all sunshine and rainbows for everybody keep him around and everybody gets sick just abandon him in the forest and then you're like well why'd we do that that was kind of shitty i think the only way to really handle that would have been like okay he's gonna die anyways and if he we don't get him out of here he's gonna get us sick so we might as well just put him out of his misery before it's like putting a dog down yeah and that's basically what they did but it was just too much for the son i think ptsd is something so hard like you know we all we all have some level of it i think there's stuff that happened to me and i'm like it didn't even really happen to me why am i freaking out but then i went to the doctor that's why i'm on meds right now by the way i went to the doctor and i explained to her what was going on and she's like that sounds like ptsd i'm like why though like none of that happened to me like what the fuck but it happened like adjacent to me but there's there's a psychological thing where you if you see things affecting people it can affect you just as much or worse yeah that's the really hard thing about ptsd and it took me a lot of years to sort of come to grips with that because you think about ptsd and you think about people going through these horrific situations like vietnam or you know world war ii or rape or you know attempted murder something just viscerally so shockingly horrible that everyone can look at that and say yes objectively that is awful but then it doesn't occur to you that that's not the only type of ptsd there is there is that but there's subtler stuff it's a really broad range i farted in class and every time i fart i get freaked out she never fucking know that's the scary thing the mind is such unmapped territory it's like who fucking knows we only use 10 percent of our brain duh that's not true oh, that's not true started on that <laughs> bullshit so this first dream sequence though i think it might be the best one it's, it's very scary it's the only legit jump scare in the movie i think there's a couple other like quick boom like loud moments but this is the only one that has like a real legit scare and we see this like plastic covered room and there's this old guy we don't know we don't know it's a dream yet he's walking he's walking down this creepy fucking hallway with this stupid red door and this is where uh, most of his dreams take place it should be noted that they've They've established the plastic-covered room at this point. Yes, that, that's where that's where the old man was in the beginning. It's basically like the, the quarantine room or something like that. And the only way in or out of the house. The, the man breathing heavy, of course, it's the grandpa, and he does something creepy, and then, of course, Travis wakes up. Oh, my God. But there is somebody really in the house, though, at this point. Yes. Every, everybody's kind of freaking out, as you would, especially in a situation like that. Living in the woods, that just seems creepy to me when life is normal. I had a girlfriend, and her house was in the middle of fucking nowhere and it, there was a cemetery like a mile away and not like a not like an official hey let's you know let's drive and park and look at my grandma's grave headstone you know it was hey these bodies were buried in the 1800s and this is just kind of here so it was creepy a little bit get a little spooked did you oh a little bit not not like ghostly but i'm like yeah weird shit good luck getting the cops out there in less than like a half hour or something yeah. that's why everybody who lives out in the woods is pro gun that's true uh her dad shot a lot of their animals not like hey i'm gonna go, i'm gonna go shoot the cats it's like no i'm not gonna take it to the vet to get it put down because he's sick we're just gonna shoot it that's pretty much how we did it we even had a method uh you'd uh you put a little dab of peanut butter on the end of the gun oh 
and then they line up just perfect. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, you just hurt me. I'm crying right now. It's fucking brutal. But, uh, you know, they don't suffer. It's, I mean, it's one and done, man. So this is where we meet Will. Everybody's just kind of screaming at each other. Joel's like, get the fuck down. Like, are you infected? He's like, no, 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 no. He keeps on calling him sir because he's trying to be really nice. As you would when yeah. a man has a has a rifle pointed <laughs> right at your face. And we don't know who this guy is. We don't know if he's like a bad guy. We don't know if he's going to turn into a fucking monster or whatever as advertised. We don't even know if he's off-brand Jon Snow yet because he's got a hanky over his face. Right. Uh, but he, he did come alone and they tie him to a tree to make sure that he's not infected so they can keep him away from them for a while. Oh, God. I almost had a panic attack during that scene <laughs> because they stuff a rag in his mouth and oh, then God. tape over it. And every time I see that in a movie, and then they put a bag over his head. So it's even worse for him, right? Like I'm empathizing with this character right away. And all I can think is I would probably have a panic attack because sometimes my sinuses just close up. <laughs> yeah. I, every time somebody's like, he can breathe through his nose, I'm like, kind of? Like, a little but, bit? I mean, granted, these are people who have been surviving for a long time, so they don't have a ton of, like, excess flesh on the bones, and you, that does affect your sinuses. Okay, I let's, know. let's say that you and I dead. Yes, probably. I, we wouldn't I make it this far. I definitely would not have made it that far. I'm, yeah. I, I have all that fanboy, you know, that, that, that nerd fanboy zombie apocalypse prep knowledge but if you actually put me in a situation like that i'd be dead so fucking fast in the words of uh in the words of uh oh shit i can't remember his name craig is it craig robinson from the office and and this is the end from his him and this is the end we're soft as baby shit wait what is it what do you say he says we act hard but we soft as oh. baby shit <laughs> guess what this leads to another fucking dream but this time he's not walking down the hallway he's outside and he goes and finds the guy with a bag over his head but he doesn't have a bag over his head he's just kind of standing in front of him now and then what does he do does he spit spit out blood or something i don't even remember i think his eyes are just like solid oh yeah black. they're black that's right there's this theme with this black bile coming out of characters mouths and i don't think it actually happens when someone is sick at least not in the movie you know we never see an actually sick person spitting black bile but travis has this paranoia he in all of his dream sequences and his in his hallucinations and shit he or the character he's being faced with or whatever is spewing black bile out of their mouths we get a good interrogation scene it's kind of did your anxiety subside a little bit when he finally got that fucking thing at, taken out of his mouth and he got some water instantly the second the gag came out of his mouth i was okay so they decide to bring his wife and kid into their house he was trying to trade for food he's like i want water we have food we have chickens and goats and shit and then the wife is like you know what why don't we just bring him here that way we can just all the food will be here and strengthen numbers all that shit it should not be underplayed how mercenary the wife is because that's part of what i think the the fair play here is in the writing process it would be easy to make joel you know the hard ass of the situation but the wife is just as much of a hard ass she is very mercenary in her thinking because he he starts to accuse her he's like look we can't think about this emotionally she's like i'm not thinking about this emotionally right. we can't trust right. them if we we can't let him go he'll come right back here the next time he needs food or some shit we can't trust that he's not going to come back and kill us we got to keep them close we keep them close we bring them all here and then we're safe Wait, do they have that conversation twice? Uh, yeah, I mean, they... Or do they just have it that one time at the end when she doesn't to leave? outright say all of that, but the implication, I think, is there very strong. Okay. And she's very clear about the fact that they can't trust him. Yeah, she knows shit. I'm, I'm, I'm behind her. Yeah, that's what's, again, that's what's scary about this movie is everything they do is reasonable within the bounds of the this what's going on in their universe you know i feel like we, we we are missing a whole scene but you know there's the whole when they actually joel and uh will drive out they eventually get caught by these two idiots who are trying to rob them and you know that those people are just doing the same thing and they're because you get a nice shot of both of them it's like a father and son it looks like but he is very impulsive by the way he he shoots one guy who's coming after him with a gun of course but then will has the other guy down beating the shit out of him and he's like he pulls him off and he just shoots him and will's like wait he's like oh well fuck okay so that guy they're both dead this is one of those moments where again the distrust between will and joel is like it's festering in this scene because he's like why did you tell me not to kill him and will has a good answer but joel 
can't and i empathize so much with him because you know there is that question was he in league was he in a league with those guys we don't 100 percent know you know like maybe he was maybe he wasn't everything will says is reasonable but we only have his word for it at no point do we see will's side of the story at no point do we see will's background so we're right there in the same boat as joel looking at this guy through this lens and going can he be trusted are we being too paranoid are they doing the right thing who knows we have no way of knowing and in that way i think the movie plays really fair with joel's character because we don't get to see behind the curtain there we don't get to see the omniscient view on will we have to see it the same way joel sees it i tried not to space out there i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i'm just going on this rant and you're just like okay is he ever gonna fucking pause so i can say something time jump the time jump was weird. We go yeah, right. Yeah, because we, we jumped three days. Yeah, and they're just back at the house because the idea was that he was going to wait three days to make sure they weren't infected because, yeah. And they're just back. They're, and then they're, suddenly they're back. Yeah, with the goats and the chickens and shit. Kim and Andrew is the little boy, by the way. Kim is the wife. Andrew and Kim and Kim yeah. and Andrew. They get the ground rules and then Will is just you know creepy creeping on kim a teenage boy right right it's and you were right it's probably the first girl he's seen that wasn't his mom and and, uh joel misses (laughs) when joel's laying out the ground rules joel misses the first ground rule this is the one scene where i think he's i can't relate to him as being reasonable in that the very first thing i would have done you know um don't don't fuck my son no not not (laughs) to her the the very first thing i would have done was take travis aside and have a conversation with him about keeping his dog on a leash and not letting it sniff around (laughs) any strange bushes if you know what i mean but he wouldn't have listened anyways that's true he probably wouldn't have you know we've seen that at Travis is already at a breaking point and he's already passed his breaking point. So he's unpredictable. But at the same time, that is a conversation that needed to be had because (laughs) even Travis's little thing where he sits down in the kitchen with Kim and he, and she catches him staring at her tits, which by the way, is a great scene. I mean, plays out so perfectly and, and accurately like that could have caused, I mean, that's a massively tense scene when I, when I was watching it the first time, I was like, Oh fuck, is this going to, fuck everything up for everybody and no it, it goes absolutely nowhere no it doesn't but it was a wonderfully tense scene <laughs> which is kind of a fucking bummer i i'm pretty sure the filmmaker the director did that on purpose he's just like all right i'm just gonna fuck with people for fun now speaking of which right before that scene that shot of travis coming down the stairs with the mirror on the opposite wall from the stairs so that you see him even when he goes behind the wall that's a great fucking shot. The shots are set up really well. I mean, this is this is one of those. It was almost like watching the Takashi Miike movie because you could pull pretty much any shot out of the movie and it would be a, just a great shot, just a great still image to look at. We should go make a weird movie. <laughs> you know, I I was actually having a thought earlier today about Bowfinger. You know, the uh, Steve Martin Eddie Murphy movie. Did you ever see that? Oh yeah, no, I never saw it, but I remember it. There's this line in the movie where Steve Martin's character is talking about how he's turning 50 and if you don't have a movie made by 50 (laughs) you're never going to get your movie made because hollywood can smell 50 and i started thinking you know i mean i still got nine years i could go back to my dream of being a filmmaker at this point you know i've got a lot more technical knowledge about things i've had you know i've had 20 years since i was you know 20 years old and fancied myself a future filmmaker to just absorb film and just become passionate about it and study it and you know study like all these youtube dissections of film and stuff and you know it's not entirely outside of the realm of possibility plus i'm a way better storyteller than i was back then back then i did not understand story structure at all all right i'll star in it just put me opposite a hot a hot chick okay <laughs> i didn't realize i was making that kind of a movie it doesn't have to be that kind of movie i just want to talk to a hot chick <laughs> I, i'm sorry a movie in which i cast you and put you opposite a hot chick is definitely that kind of movie like that's the only kind of movie that's getting made where i'm casting you as the lead and putting you opposite a hot chick you know no what you offense. do you know what you do we make a slasher movie i will i will be the slasher you'll I'm, be the slasher i'm big and lumbering and i can i can do that that's true oh, especially dude. if i shot you from a low angle oh dude i'm down let's do it <laughs> i i have i have some ideas for that let's fucking might not have enough money to choose string budget man Trola Plus, that's, style. What, that's yeah. what credit cards were invented for that's true we could all do you got to do is get some credit cards i'm not going to but you can i'll make you an executive producer <laughs> that sounds good <laughs> 
we get a little bonding. There's like five minutes of them just kind of hanging out, doing stuff, cutting firewood, learning the ropes and shit, learning how to hang out with each other and deal with being around other people. There is a constant tension, though. Like oh, the always. Whole time. Mostly, the whole mostly time. Joel. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's like, like when hit when Will and Travis are cutting the wood, Joel's <laughs> standing there with his gun watching them. He's just like, don't, you know, stop bonding with my kid, you fucking asshole. <laughs> And that, that, that's what I got out of it too. He's getting a little. I don't know. I don't know if he's like actually jealous, but I think he's more like suspicious. But I think but, it's just that he doesn't want Travis to be forming bonds that can't be broken with a bullet if necessary. Ooh, you know what? I didn't pick that up. That's probably exactly right. There's the scene where Joel kind of takes Travis aside, and I thought he was going to have the you know don't go sniffing around Kim conversation, and instead he's like, "I'll well, just keep it all in perspective. We can't really trust anybody who's not family." Yeah, I actually I have that written down too. <laughs> Because specifically in a time like that, I don't know. It it's hard. I don't just fucking kill me. I don't know if I can handle that shit. <laughs> don't worry. As you said, you and me'll be among the first to go for sure. <laughs> I think Travis is hiding in the fucking attic again, and we hear somebody fucking I'm not sure who it is. I think it's Kim and Will, but we did see like a little shot of uh, Joel and Sarah going and like him taking the book out of her hand and shit. So maybe they're fucking, but it's probably Kim and Will that makes more sense because they seem like they're more fun just in general. Did that come immediately after that scene with the book? Yes. Right. Like oh. I, I almost cuts right from that to that. Well, I mean, it. yeah, it could have been, it could have been them then. I don't know. I always thought it was Kim and Will, but yeah, I, I guess I didn't think about that it came right after that shot. Yeah, it's weird. So someone's fucking. Of course, Travis has another dream, and this one, it's also super creepy. This is the one where Kim comes into the room and gets on top of him and spits that black bile shit into his yeah, mouth. Yeah, it starts off looking like it's going to be a, a nice, satisfying release for old Travis. <laughs> it gets <laughs> creepy real quick. I feel like that dream kind of foreshadows him going down downstairs and hanging out with Kim for a few minutes. Is that where it... That, yeah. yeah, almost right after that he wakes up and yeah. scares Kim because she's sitting in the kitchen and yeah. Yeah, that's right because he tells her he had a bad dream. And she has trouble sleeping too and all that shit. And that's where dad says, you know, don't trust anybody with family because Travis won't stop creeping. He's creeping. He's just being weird. Yeah. As teenage boys sadly sort of inevitably do. So it's fucked up. Even even in the apocalypse. Yep. Probably especially in the apocalypse you need that shit. Hormones, man. They're fucking crazy. They're <laughs> relentless. Oh, it's about to get real sad. Yeah, For me, is. mostly. Uh, Stanley starts barking at something he sees someone in the something in the woods he breaks off his leash and then he runs away and this all happens kind of quick they were all cutting firewood again and then the dog started freaking out yeah and we never see what's going on out in the woods there you never see what's stan what stanley's chasing all we know is he got onto something like they mention paul by the way is a Joel Edgerton's name. There's a line in the movie where he's talking about, you know, bring those ant, bringing those animals here. And I don't know if that means like there's like animals like monsters or animals like like rabid wolves or something that have carried this disease. It's obviously not rabies because I don't see anybody trying to bite anybody else's head off. I got the impression that he was talking about, you know, like the guys that they ran across while they were going to get Will's family. Yeah, that was the other. Or those kind of animals. Like, like people animals or animal animals or monster animals. I don't know. But yeah, probably that. Now that you mention it, I think there's potentially merit to that idea. You know, it, it could, you, they could have been referring to some kind of animals that carry the virus. They're going to make a straight to video sequel and it's going to ruin all the mystique of this first movie. <laughs> what is this, the mid nineties? Hey, that shit, that shit still happens, man. You know what? It doesn't happen as often anymore though. I just like, all like my mind can go to is the, the Michael Eisner Disney years. I'm thinking more like the descent Oh, oh, yeah. I never did see the sequel to that, but I've heard not good things. You want a you want a mystique ruiner? It fucking has none of the flavor of the first movie <laughs> at all. Oh. And I'm like, we don't sequelize a movie like that. Like, yeah, I want more, but at the same time, I don't need it, so don't do it. Yeah, just because people want more doesn't mean they need to get it. Hey, I rented it. I was I was I was on board immediately. I'm like, yeah, I love the fucking descent. Let's check this out. And that was bad choice. <laughs> so speaking of bad choices the dog just stops barking no yelp no nothing he just like barking and then just nothing for me i think the idea was that he uh he found something and was engaging with it or maybe he had lost his trail i don't know you know like yeah you would think you would hear like some growling or something maybe he was just trying to pick up the trail of whatever he was on i don't know but suffice to say it leads to another dream sequence not yet well almost but i do have to say uh 
because you were right about this. So Paul pulls Travis aside and says, he'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he does. And Will and Paul kind of talk about the jobs that they had. And that's where we find out that Paul, Joel, is uh, was a history teacher, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and okay. Yep. There it is. Travis wakes up in the middle of the night because he hears Andrew, but he's, he, this is not a dream sequence. He's actually awake in the middle of the night now because Travis wakes up in the middle of the night and he, because he hears Andrew, I think, moving around or snoring or making noise or whatever before he finds andrew he has that dream sequence that i think is probably the most genuinely upsetting to me anyway dream sequence of all which is he goes out into the woods as if looking for his dog no that happened that happens a little later i have the notes that that's down quite a ways oh i thought that happened right after i thought i thought that dream where he sees something but we never see it we just hear it. We do the Andrew thing. We go to the creepy fucking hallway again, except this time I think it's it's not it's not a dream sequence. This is where Stanley comes back because there's that yeah. whole thing about Andrew maybe opening the door and maybe touching stuff. And See, I thought the sequence with him <laughs> going out into the wood, the dream sequence where he goes into the woods and there's just these horrific sound effects that's, that start getting louder and louder and louder. And he just gets this look on his face that like he is looking at the most fucked up shit anyone's ever seen. You know, I, I thought that happened before they found the dog. No, no, it happens. Uh, it's a couple scenes away. Oh, okay. It's a couple scenes away. But we will get there. We will get there because that one annoys me and disturbs me all at the same time. Are you annoyed because they don't show it? Kind of, but I, I think but I'm not annoyed, you know, like it's a good thing. I think it's a great artistic decision because nothing they could show you could be as disturbing as what your brain conjures. It's one of those things where I want to know, but I don't really want to know. The dog's dying. He's all bloody and gross and he's sick. And Paul has to send everyone to the living room, especially Travis, because Travis is freaking the fuck out now. As anybody would in Travis's situation, I think, because it's very clear that Joel's going to put the dog down. No question. We do get an off-screen gunshot and we see the, the camera's focused on Travis the whole time and then he bursts into tears and I'm just like god damn it can't handle it it's pretty brutal especially because he doesn't get to see him one last time which is complete again completely reasonable but brutal of course it comes out that uh travis didn't open the door technically we don't know who opened the door so travis well, might have know. opened it in his weird stupor of crazy because he's obviously losing his shit right now suffice to say travis did not consciously no, open the door no so he he doesn't remember opening it andrew says he can't remember i hate saying that name and not talking about myself <laughs> But yeah, he says he can't remember. And that's where you get that kind of little bit of acting business from that little kid. He's like, I, just, I can't remember. I don't remember. Very believable, that kid. I Everybody in this movie, rock solid performances all around. <laughs> we have to separate the families for a while because nobody knows if anybody's sick. Nobody knows if anybody touched the dog. So everybody just kind of has to separate for a while. And this is where shit really starts to kind of go wrong. And Joel is trying his best in this to be reasonable. And that's why throughout, even, even through the bad decisions, my sympathies are with him because he's so clearly trying to do the right thing. Can't be reasonable in an unreasonable situation. It's exactly the situation (laughs) precludes rational decision making. And and what's really great about it is the next the rest of the sequence unfolds so fast that nobody has time to stop and ponder what they're doing. After they go to bed, everything else that unfolds happens so fast that they do not have time to think. Yeah, well... They have to make snap decisions. Travis comes in, he says what he says, and then it's snap decision time. You have to decide right now what how you're going to handle the situation. And they do, and it all gets fucked up. But my sympathies are completely with them because who would be able to, to take 12 seconds in a situation like that? that to sit back and go well let's look at this in a detached manner you know what what's the best let, let's pro and con this thing before we get into that let's talk about that last dream sequence though because this one's fucking nuts okay last dream sequence here we go so he hears the dog barking and that's when he walks outside and he has his gun with him but then that's when he sees something off camera and he's terrified it's like the lighthouse when the dude looks into the fucking into the light finally and yeah we don't see what he sees he just screams yeah it's kind of like that and he wakes up and then now he's spitting up that black stuff too and guess what and he has sores all over also but then it's a dream within a dream and he sees grandpa it's a dream within a dream also so he wakes up finally and it's it's real no sores no nothing he's good well it hangs on for a second yeah. too he wakes up oh yeah and then the you can, second you time he's the, still got the sores and he's brushing at him and then they go away dude that fucked me up Ugh. you ever had that happen where you, you wake up and the dream just hangs on for you know like 30 seconds or something like that yeah yeah i've also had those dreams where i can't wake up 
that's some scary yeah. stuff. I don't really like that. <laughs> Creepy shit. I thought I used to think the dream within a dream thing was bullshit. And then I had one. I was probably like 30 plus when I finally had a dream within a dream. And I woke up the next day and it was like, it was like life changing for me. Where did you go through the whole day trying to figure out if you were actually awake now? No, I didn't have trouble <laughs> with that. I know I've said it before, but I have a, I have a way to tell if I'm in a dream or not, if it occurs to me that I might be. And that is uh, bathrooms. If I'm in a dream, there will be something fucked up about the bathroom. It's universal in my head. When I finally figured it out, I said it to my girlfriend at the time. I said, you know, you would think that I would learn to look for that kind of thing when I'm in a dream. And that very night I had a dream and had that moment and I did think to look for it. And and you were in a dream or you weren't? At that no, point? I was I was in a dream and I had this thought. I thought, oh, okay. oh, fuck, what if I'm in a dream right now? Because I had met like my my celebrity crush and I thought, wait a minute, what if this is a dream? And then I thought, I need to find a bathroom so I can find out. So I ran to the nearest bathroom and in the bathroom was Snoop Dogg in the bathtub playing keyboard with his feet. The bathtub was not full of water. It was full of blankets that he was lying on top of, fully dressed but barefoot, and playing keyboard with his feet. And I said to him, I said, Snoop, you got to get out of here so I can use this bathroom to see if I'm in a dream or not. You know what? That re that really happened. I was there. I saw that. Oh, really? Okay. See, I've been telling people for years about this dream of mine. Turns out Snoop Dogg in the bathtub playing what the keyboard the with his what? feet. Did you eat something weird before you went to bed that night? Because holy fuck. No, but the thing is, is as long as he was there, I couldn't use the toilet, you know, because I couldn't just drop trow in front of him. And so something always prevents me from using the toilet properly in a dream. That is the that's the signal. And it never occurred to me that what was preventing me because the toilet looked perfectly fine. What was preventing me was Snoop Dogg sitting there in the bathtub. Never occurred to me. All right. This is this is going to be weird, especially on an episode about such a fun movie. I <laughs> My anxiety about sex must be off the fucking charts because I cannot for the life of me get laid in a dream. Oh, neither can I. That's I've oh never been able to. Not one time. I can't masturbate in a dream either. Have you ever tried that? No, no, I don't think so. It's usually chicks I can't and I'm do like, it. let's go. And then right, right when things are about to happen, it's like, oh, I'm awake now. What the fuck? I think it's yeah. a sign of like, probably it probably is all tied into the same thing. You know, it's like, like I have a nervous bladder, but I probably have a nervous bladder because of my self-consciousness, which is intimately tied in to my you know sexual shame that i have and i think all of it's probably tied together which is why i can't use the bathroom or have sex or masturbate in a dream i can't do it <laughs> we're a couple of sad individuals oh god we need therapy it's time i think it's time we're fucking stereotypes man that that's the thing about that youtube video <laughs> about jill posting that youtube videos i think oh this just reinforces what everybody already already thought about us for sure i had a couple people at work pop it on and they're like jesus christ you guys look like each other <laughs> all right let's continue down this road of joy here okay let's do it so after travis woke up from that dream uh as you do you go to your happy place if you're having it because sometimes so guess where he is he's back in the fucking attic again listening to yeah, kim they, and will but this time they're arguing because andrew is up and he's crying and he doesn't sound good and they're like we need to get the fuck out of here we need to get out of here let's get out of here I, is he sick i don't know ah he's probably sick but yeah. we don't know we don't know it should be mentioned that 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 travis's little voyeur cave it's not like he has like a spy hole to look at them it's just a spot in the attic where you can hear into the room below. yeah he's That's not norman it baiting it really he's just yeah listening still creepy though no it's definitely it's definitely creepy voyeurism but you know you know giving travis the benefit of the doubt there at least he's not like looking directly at them it's sort of a through the walls passive creepy voyeurism okay yeah fair enough i guess <laughs> uh so travis runs back into it run back into the bedroom and he tells okay there i think andrew might be sick there's something going on blah and then this is where shit just kind of starts fucking unraveling well i mean i guess it already started when stanley disappeared but this is where it really comes to a head where we got like what 15 20 minutes left in the movie maybe less than that i don't point. even think that i think it's it feels like 10 it goes so fast it's probably way more than that, but it feels so fast from this point. Paul goes with the wife, with Sarah. They both have their gas masks on. They each have a gun and Paul's nicely knocking. He's like, hey man, is, is Andrew okay? Let's uh, just let, let me check him out. Come on. Uh, and Will's like, no, it's cool. It's cool. So 
clearly something's going on. It's like, no, man, you're fine. It's cool. It's cool. No, get the fuck out of here. It's fine. It's okay. Totally not suspect. Yeah, no, not at all. If he would have just opened the door and said, hey, he's not sick. Look at him here. You can see him. Then we'd, we wouldn't be in this goddamn mess, would we? Didn't Joel's wife say that she saw him and she saw that he was sick or something like that? Maybe something like that. Oh, and by the way, this is where right before they go to the room to check them out, uh, that's where the wife says they can't leave. They're going to they're gonna want to take half of our food. And then when they run out, guess where they're going to come to? So we got to yeah. take them out. So that was her. That was all. That was all her. And they're all making decisions decisions at like just lightning speed because they as i said before no time to think travis comes in with this news and they just immediately kick into action uh yeah will happens to have a gun because fucking duh he opens the door and we're back in front of the door by the way he pulls paul into the room and he's like take your fucking gas mask off nobody's sick in here take it off but sarah's kind of in the shadows off to the side so they they decide they're going to at gunpoint obviously take paul and get food and get the fuck out of there i think it should be emphasized sarah is not just in the in the shadows she's like around a corner right right in like an alcove to where she can't be seen from the door at all that's why when they eventually start walking down the stairs will just kind of looks to the (laughs) looks to his right or whatever and she's there with a gun and she's like let him go and now they're in kind of this mexican standoff thing with everybody pointing guns at each other yeah and very very tense (laughs) scenes yeah i mean everything from now until the resolution is just incredibly tense yeah they eventually come you know come to their senses for like five fucking seconds and lower guns and then of course paul goes off punches will in the face takes his gun and then everybody just kind of scatters kim and the kid run and try and make a break for it but the front door is dead bolted and only paul and his wife have the key yep so how does she end up getting out even i know she gets out uh, outside no they walk them outside paul drags will in like the wheelbarrow because they have the wheelbarrow again yeah and does he knock i think he i think he beats will unconscious yeah he knock he? he knocks him out on the on the stairs i believe yeah that's right yeah. and then yeah and then he basically drags him into the clean room and uh or the quarantine room whatever you right. want to call it and, and then they eventually make it outside i like i like how subtly is he just dumps the fucking wheelbarrow just dumps will out of it but then will attacks paul this is just a nice back and forth we're playing volleyball with the gun here but. and will gets the better of paul jumps on top of him starts beating him like he he's Hard. clearly gonna it's rough He's clearly intent. He clearly intends on killing him. I wouldn't you at that point. I don't know. I. Oh, no, absolutely. Everybody's intentions (laughs) are understandable at this point. Nobody's nobody's blaming Will for trying to kill Paul. He completely is justified. But then, of course, you've got Sarah standing there with the gun and she warns Will and she warns Will. And this is where you get that she's not quite as hard as Paul is. Like, she's mentally just as hard as he is, but she doesn't want to kill anybody. No, you she's, know? she's the mom. She's like She's she, got the thing, yeah. She hesitates, and uh, but Will's not letting up, and so yep. she lets him have it. And it's not, a, it's not a kill shot right away. You see him writhing on the ground and, like, trying to move for, like, a second. Yeah, he's clearly been shot, like, through the lungs or something like that he does eventually die (laughs) not a great way (laughs) not a great way to go if anything it would have been nicer to just shoot him in the head yeah no shit of course kim runs she's holding andrew and paul shoots at her remember when i said this wasn't going to be fun here we go we got a dead dog it's only fitting that we have a dead child like an eight-year-old fuck yeah i think they said his age but i can't remember exactly but yes yeah, so i don't know but that is a tiny kid now andrew's dead because paul fucked up and shot him but at the same time that kid was gonna die anyways because paul was gonna yeah. shoot him yeah if he was sick paul was gonna shoot him for sure but yeah. i don't think i don't think he intentionally shot andrew specifically i think he was shooting for kim and yep. hit andrew by mistake and at that point kim just like, are you gonna kill me you want to kill my yeah. son ah she's she's not happy as you would be yeah she's pretty much just like yeah like her final words are kill me and he's like all right cool boom i wish that's what he said just like all right <laughs> that would be so fucking out of character for you <laughs> Yeah, there's no there's no quirky one-liners here. Uh, he the thing is is he tries to put on that he's just that nonchalant about it, but he clearly isn't. It's clearly fucking with him that he has to be so ruthless yeah but the fun's not over so kim's dead will's dead andrew's dead guess what travis is actually sick 
but we don't really know. He has like it's it looks like he has a fever kind of. He's sweating in the mirror and shit. But everybody's kind of sad. So we don't know ex- we 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 know, but like we don't know, you know. Well, at first he like he runs in and he's like he looks like he's trying to vomit into the sink or something. Yeah. But nothing's coming up. You almost expect the black bile at this point, but nothing comes up and then he just it sort of drifts into into a haze with him. That's where Sarah says, you know, it's okay, you can let go. And then he goes to sleep and we have one more kind of dream sequence and i kind of like this the it's okay doesn't come until after he wakes up uh well but does it i don't remember anyways i have it written down here (laughs) but there is a there is one more dream sequence i thought the last one was the final dream sequence i didn't know that i didn't remember a dream sequence after that oh no uh well it's 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 a subtle subtler one i think uh, we're back at the hallway with the creepy door or, you know, the long creepy hallway with the red door. Mm-hmm. And this time it's open. It's just open. I think Travis just walks right through it. And that's when he like he's in heaven, I guess. But he's dead now. He wakes up and then we see he's got the sores on his face and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's when Sarah says, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. You can just let go. Everything's going to be okay. Final words spoken in the movie. And then the bright and happy shot of mom and dad sitting across from each other on the table, just dead silent. And then total devastation between these two. And they're just looking at each other like as you would in that situation. Like, what's the point of continuing? I'm sufficiently depressed now. Good. I was worried you'd come out of this thing feeling all bright and chipper. I'm not bright and chipper on a good day and I have to go back to work. (laughs) I'm sorry. Did you say you had to go back to work tonight? Tomorrow. No, not tonight. Fuck no. Sorry. You're uh, the audio kind of garbled for a second. And I thought you said you had to go back to work tonight. I was like, Jesus, we need more money. You fucking pieces of shit. (laughs) (laughs) That'll get it. Just being honest. So let's, <laughs> what, what do we think of this movie? What are our I think I've expressed here? myself pretty clearly on how yeah. I feel about this movie. It is completely merciless. It's extremely cruel, but it's not mean. And I'm not going to go into that again, but that is my, fi- <laughs> that is my final word. It's cruel, but not mean. This is, this is the kind of movie that they're going to show you in film school in a few years. Yeah. Because yeah, I think yeah, so. It looks real good. If you don't like movies where, you know, everything is almost everything is left to the imagination, then this probably isn't the one for you, but I recommend it for the most part. It's well acted and Joel Edgerton's a fucking badass. We all, we love him. I think the key is to watch it without the expectation of the trailer. If you haven't watched the trailer, don't watch the trailer just watch the movie yeah just watch the movie yeah also and if we could strip away the expectation of the title that would be good too but unfortunately that's impossible there is no it it is tension you know it is the paranoia and the fear and i think the you know the night is metaphorical if we're going that route you know it, it, it it's a very metaphorical title it's not there isn't a thing that comes but there's this dread this paranoia that overtakes them and it sort of comes from the nighttime of the soul that they're going through if you will also the dog appears at night and that's what ends up killing everybody that's true the dog is it there we go mystery <laughs> solved so I think that's it comes at night. I think I think that's that will do it for our first week of Halloween. All right. That was fun. One down, three to go. You know what? It's only going to get fucking worse. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a fun movie in the bunch this year. <laughs> what is, what's on the list? I forget. XX which you picked for our anthology movie. Oh yeah. That looks grim. The thing so I can oh Jesus our, that's right which is a great movie by the way but uh and Halloween Ma- 3 season of the witch Halloween 3 is Halloween 3 is fun grim okay okay good like, I still haven't seen that one yet so I'm pretty excited oh really to break into it yeah oh yeah it's very grim but I think it's grim in a fun way whereas everything else looks pretty pretty just straightforward grim although I will say uh the thing when I'm probed for my favorite horror movie that's my go-to is the thing oh it's definitely up there that movie's great yeah I don't know that I could definitively say it's my number one horror movie of all time but it is it is definitely top tier that's Abs- a- absolute right up there at the tippy top anybody else is going to be a tie with it yeah that's that's a hard that's a hard one for me to answer too I don't even know but that's what you guys have to look forward to th- this coming in the coming month in the coming weeks for Halloween it'll be great I think the anthology ones next week I think we should just get that out of the way because oh man <laughs> You don't love the anthology movies like I do, do you? I've not heard good things about this one specifically. Oh, you see, I ha- I have. I it it's on all the lists of the best anthologies. I follow different people, I guess. Okay, well, but yeah, uh, I mean, nah. I get now I get to decide for myself if I like it or not. 
Cool. Yeah, I get. I'm going. I'm gonna try really hard to go into this without any expectations. I'm not watching the trailer. I'm not. You know. I'm not doing any kind of background or anything like that. I know what the blurb says. It's been on my list for a while, but that's all I know. I know it's an anthology movie. I know what the blurb says, and basically what the blurb says is it's an anthology horror movie made exclusively by women. Yeah. So, so yay feminism. Not a lot of story reveal on that one. No. So, no. So th- yeah. Could be fun. I'm into could it. Could be great. We'll could do be it. terrible. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> we'll find out. So that that about does it for this week. So let's uh are you reading anything different yet on your Audible thing? I am not at the moment, but based on our conversation, if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash sharks across Hollywood, you can pick up Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> yeah. His most obtuse book yet, uh, and probably one of his best. There is a tree full of dead babies in it. It's definitely horrifying, and the prose is the kind you really have to fucking pay attention to. But I actually prefer listening to it because I don't, my brain doesn't have have to decipher words they're given to me and when the words are given to me i'm able to to contextualize them better and so for me listening to blood meridian is the way to go also it's read by one of my favorite audiobook readers so that's a plus so there you go blood meridian do it i recommend it i made it 10 pages into the book and i fucking (laughs) but whatever you want to get go to audibletrial.com forward slash sharks across hollywood sign up for your free trial and you can get any book from their library for free and it's yours to keep whether or not you decide to continue your membership and you'll be supporting the show and if you like social media you can follow us on everything at the shark pod and like i said earlier if you pieces of shit want to give us some money you can do <laughs> you can... which they're way more likely to do when you call them pieces of shit people like it when you're honest so if you want to give us money you piece of shit you go to patreon.com slash sharks cross hollywood okay maybe only like half of you are pieces of shit i don't know maybe more probably more <laughs> Fuck you. Should I stop berating our audience now? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Might not be the best note to end the show on. <laughs> well, good. Fuck them. They'll come back. They like it. Anyways, hey, we'll be back next week with XX. It'll be fun, I promise. But until then, stay jossom.